0: Welcome to the Interviews Good. Good. Podcast. Good. Welcome to episode 6 of the Interviews pod, we are coming to you after uh, a very very intense uh, second leg of the round of 16 tie against Porto, finishes 0-0 on aggregate, Inter goes through 1-0, what a game what a game we started this podcast with the first leg we've now come full circle we are three and two uh on our record since we started doing this podcast my name is alessandro rafa uh one part of your hosting Wait, you're, count- duo. you're counting
1: that as a win this 100 percent. you know it's a tie technically we're two one and two if we're being listen, ten.
0: technicalities, <laughs> throw right, it listen, out the window. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to On you. On a Champions League cut, Cup night, <laughs> we're throwing it out the window. <laughs> All right. I am joined here uh, by Johnny Paterno, the CEO of Inter Twitter. Wow. I need to catch my breath here for a second, man. That was I saw your heart That rate. was intense. Uh, how, how, how's the heart doing? The highest I got was 126. Okay. Um I didn't check towards the end of the game where Porto had two posts, three posts. I lost count of how many times it hit the woodwork. So when that happened, I was at 129. You you were able to check it out. Yeah, I was checking check it out. Yeah, so that felt like such a classic Pazainta game. Um, it felt like it was on the edge the entire time, um, and I felt... I know you know some people weren't feeling great after that first half i felt really you know fine going into that second half um and then things really uh really took a turn there um so we go through we're into the quarterfinals which is massive for the club on both the financial level and also just you know bragging rights can't have milan be the only team representing the city of milano in the quarterfinals but here we are we are one of the last eight teams left standing in Europe how are you feeling
1: I mean I'm obviously happy with the result I'm not gonna sit here and try to spin it but I'm I'm not happy with the performance I understand the reasoning behind the way they played um, but it definitely was worrisome there at the end and it felt like we were welcoming too much uh, of their pressure and honestly had it not been for a couple of big saves one by Onana one by Dumfries one by the post I mean, who knows? what We'd we'd be in extra time right now, and we'd be sweating it out even more, and our heart rates would both be higher than 126, 129, 28, whatever beats per minute. But you know what? We're through. We're one of the last eight. Three Italian teams are through, which is huge for, I think, the league as a whole, which I think is also hilarious when you look at it because it's such a trash season for Serie A in terms of competitiveness. But in Europe, we're all doing great. We really are. So, I mean... Um, I just want to see the draw already like I don't even want like can we just play to t- skip to tomorrow play the games do the draw immediately after I want to know what's happening who we're up against so yeah I'm I'm anxious excited nervous dying everything all at once so
0: yeah yeah this was I mean in terms of the game we we suffered a lot but in terms of just like a, a little bit of a palate cleanser after what we've been through over the past several weeks, just in terms of the, you know, results, not even, you know, the, you can include the performances in there. Um, but tonight wasn't great. But either way, um, it's a little bit of a weight off the shoulders, which I think everyone, you know, in terms of both the fans and everyone at the club um, desperately needed. Um, where I think that we should start, let's get our, our man in the match out of the way right off the top. It has to go to Onana. Has to. No, I mean not even a question. It's not even a question. This guy I
1: was texting in my my intergroup chat and I was we were talking about it and I was saying look how secure his hands are. No rebounds, no balls ping-balling around the 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 18 box like I mean, man, what a performance. Huge saves coming up big in key moments. I if anyone ever says, "Oh, we should sell him." Because it'll just all be counting towards capital gains stop cheering for this club go watch torino go watch bologna go watch anybody else but this club because if you sell this guy we're downgrading again and i'll be surprised if we make top four without him to be honest he was so crucial to me i love him i cannot speak highly enough of andre onana i think i've already decided if if, if i decide to get a kit next year it's gonna be an onana kit I'm gonna. I don't care. There has to be a goalie kit that they sell at the team store because this guy is my favorite player right now. And whenever he's not on the pitch, it's noticeable. So thank you, Andre, for coming through and proving all the doubters wrong again. Make. I hope this solidifies that Handanovic should never see the pitch again.
0: That was all I could think when there was a shot from. I think it was Grujic. And it wasn't the fastest shot in the world, but it also, it wasn't too different from Maldini's shot against Spezia. Uh, yeah, against Spezia, um, where you just saw Andre was able to just get down quick enough to make that save look a lot easier than, than it actually was. It was almost the exact same thing that Adonovic had to had to deal with against Spezia. He couldn't get down with that kind of speed. And you're so right you feel just a safety with him in there. He had two punch clearances early on in the first half before the game even started, talking about how he just had no fear. I mean, this guy screams almost like future captain. I I don't want to get crazy, but he has those kind of qualities of both on-pitch security when when he's back there and also just his attitude, you know? Like, he just is such a...
1: Yeah, he really is... Uh um, his words before the game, I was like, man, I, I was amped, even though I was nervous, I'll be honest, I was nervous internally, and at one point, I thought to myself, this might be the most nervous I've been in the Champions League since Inter played Barcelona in the semifinals in 2010. I know it's not obviously the same level of importance. We're not going to the finals. It didn't solidify that, but it just... I, I was nervous. I genuinely did not... Especially after the way we played against Spezia, I wasn't feeling too confident with this, but his confidence leading into it it put me a little bit more at ease and then obviously he backed it up with his gameplay i mean you can we cannot say enough good things about the way he played today i am i'm at a loss for words to be honest with how how well he played
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah and he's still so young where you know we talked about it on the last episode he's already one of the top 10 keepers in Europe and those are hard to come by like let's not let's not shoot this guy to the top of the list of of players that we'd be okay selling because he really he can make the difference especially in a game like this where um you know he really sort of made it his game he knew that he was going to be under siege all game and he was and you know even towards the end with um some of the uh some of the shots that had hit the woodwork i was confident that he'd get to those either way too you know the Gruyich header that came off the bar like it was on the top of the bar i'm sure he would have gone to it if it was a little bit lower like it, it, you know he was amazing um he was amazing, and I, I totally agree with you um, that we shouldn't be looking to to sell him at all. Um, and there's such a stark contrast when you know Andonovich is in net and when he's in net. Um, and he was a big part of what happened today. And I really I want to touch on you know something that you mentioned in terms of uh, the the nerves coming into this match. I I feel this. I felt the same way. I think all Interisti felt the same way that this was a, a bit of a It was a turning point in not only our season, but also it felt like the future of the club was on the line a little bit here. Report after report is coming out about the financial importance of getting to the quarterfinals. Um, In terms of just the mental state of some of these players and this team, would Nzagi be sacked if we didn't go through? There just felt like there was so much riding on this game. And I think that those nerves were felt throughout, you know, the inter the interworld. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I feel
1: like you kind of I mean, you you were in the space before the game and you kind of felt it amongst the fan base and the people that were chatting in the and the way that we were all reacting. Um it it's it, it, the level of importance was not lost on any interisti, and, and obviously we know the financial struggles that this club has and now it almost feels like a little bit of a weight lifted off our shoulders and it kind of also feels like you're some of the players who may have been felt like hey i shouldn't be here or i don't want to be here there's like a little bit of a redeeming factor and i don't think i mean listen i don't want me on screen here to stay but i think with us moving on and his future club potentially not moving well they didn't move on but like i'm saying I, even though we know the rumors are there that he's supposedly going to screen art, we haven't had anything about the pre-contract officially being signed. Right. But they're they're not in the ra- the last 8 again, you know, so yeah. it, it's a it, I feel I feel very redeemed, I guess in some senses, you know, for for some of these guys who are who have been good soldiers and stuck around. And even though there's a lot of rumors around a lot of players, I think that with this win, it is something that again it all depends on ownership but it is a little something that we can kind of build on hopefully i'm not going to sit here and and, and speculate or come up with any crazy ideas with it but hopefully this could be something you know that could lead to potential reinvestments or investments from outside um new ownerships that could want to see you know see the way this team has performed that they may want to you know take a chance on buying inter instead of whomever
0: yeah, and it was you know I think there was a report after uh, before the game that came out that if we are able to win this game um, or go through to the quarterfinals that the surplus that we would need to get to by by July would only be thirty million as opposed to the sixty million. Um, so that's I mean that in and of itself is huge, um, and also just in terms of the season moving forward, it feels like we still have a lot to fight for, right? It's if we were to get bounced out at this round. Essentially, all you're looking forward to for the rest of the season is a top four finish, which is like, you know, that that's frustrating that that's what we have to be fighting for. Um, and a Coppa Italia run, which, you know, you can get up for, you can get excited for, but it's a, different, it's a different vibe when it's the Champions League. It's a different vibe when midweek Europe games come up and your team is still involved. And it still feels like for this season... We have a lot to fight for, um, which is a great place to be as an Inter fan. It's been really, really tough. So this was such uh, such an important thing for, for us to get through today. And we were able to do it. So let's go ahead and get into this game. Um, we'll talk uh, first half, second half. We already gave our man a match. Um, so this game starts off uh, on fire with a very early chance from Mateo Suribe who just clips, you know, just clips the post. And it was at that point in time that I knew we were in for a Pazza Inter game. An early heart attack, an early scare, and you are you know you know that you're in for, for a long night. Um, as the game went on, uh, I don't know if this happened to you, but we do need to do a little quick segue um, into Paramount. <laughs> what is oh, going gosh. on? Yeah, dude, that it's was the so Champions League. annoying. Literally, like how are flickering the f- in
1: and out, you're get you're losing feed. You're getting sent to the other match. Like, how do you allow that to happen? If you're trying to grow the game, I'm not even not, forget about Cereyah. If you're trying to just grow the game in the United States, and people are trying to tune in here, and you're cutting in and out like that, the sound quality was off. There was a lag the whole time. It was it's embarrassing, and I don't know how Fox had it before. I don't know how Fox loses the rights to this or is willing to give up the rights to CBS. Honestly, I don't like their NFL coverage. I don't like any coverage they do for any sport, whether it's college basketball, college football. I think their quality is trash. And now they're just ruining it for soccer when ESPN was doing so well with their matchups, when they had Serie A. It wasn't the best coverage, but it still was better than what we were getting. Like currently, I mean. And then when, when Fox had the Champions League, we never had issues. Nothing. It was difficult to get the games because if you didn't have cable or you didn't have a way to get the Fox Sports app on some type of streaming device, um, it wasn't the easiest, which now you can like, you know, obviously subscribe to Paramount. But my goodness, was this just so annoying to deal with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. And you would almost expect it for, for a set A game, not really a Champions League game between two former winners of the competition. Like let's let's give that a little bit more love instead of, you know, I guess everybody wanted to watch Man City seven nothing against Leipzig, but regardless, um in terms of the first half, so really the game plan seemed to be not to necessarily sit deep, um, but to have a, a bit of a lower backline than we typically do in uh, in Serie A games and play on the counter. Some people had spoken before the game that they thought, you know, Porto would want to soak up pressure and and attack us on the counter, but the exact opposite happened in the game. Um, a couple a couple important notes from the first half. I thought everything that we did. Um, that was of importance on the counter-attack. We did have a few opportunities. All of it ran through Chalunoglu. In terms of his tackling, in terms of his distribution, he really showed up to this game in a way that some other players didn't. Um, and it's just, once again, this rejuvenation of Hakan. He's he's had a wonderful, wonderful season.
1: Yeah, in the first half, I definitely thought that he was the best player on the pitch, clearly. Um His defensive qualities, his ability to take the ball off of a player's foot, not foul them, start pushing the counter, Um, finding outlet passes and stuff was evident, whereas everybody else was clearly lacking. I don't know if they didn't have their Wheaties. I don't know if they didn't drink their Espressos on the bus. No idea, but it felt like nobody was awake in the first half. Uh, Barella was frustrating. Dumfries was the most frustrating player, as usual, for me. But you know what? thank goodness for that one save. Apparently you can make 12 mistakes, but you seem to make one good thing a game. I guess I'll take that. If that's the standard that, that you're going to be playing at, um, lautaro was, I don't know, man like that. It, yep. A lot of things were frustrating with the team, but like you said, Hakan was a positive and he just seemed to, It felt like he was really trying to rally the troops around him, you know, and, and, and there was moments where you would see him trying to amp them up and trying to wake them up in the, in, in the match. And, Listen, I don't think I think we still underestimate the importance that Hakan Chalonoglu has on this team. And, and maybe not us I'm saying, but I think we as Interisti, you know, some people still want him out, some people still think Brozovic should be starting over him or that Mikitarin should be moved to the bench. I, I'm, I I agree to that extent. But I feel like Hakan has been such an influential sh- signing and for him to come on a free, and in reality he wouldn't even been here had Erickson not had his unfortunate heart issue. Um I mean to, to be a player, which was some may argue was a panic buy. I feel like he's been extremely, extremely important to the the fluidity in the midfield at the very least. So,
0: yeah, it's it really is something that you have to give credit to both player and coach Inzaghi for trusting him with that Jisar role. Um, he's playing the best football of his career. And I agree with you. You know, I would also love to see more of Brozovic, but not at the expense of Hakan being moved from that regista role at this this point in time. Um, he's just he's just on the on the top of his game, and as you said, he was the best player out there for us today. In terms of um, some of the other performances, you touched on Lautaro. This was not a good game for him. Um, he gave away the ball plenty. He didn't really have any. Um, link-ups or or do much in terms of being able to be a threat uh, for Inter today to get a goal. You know, there was one or two times where he was able to shield the ball and, and play that target man role a, l- a little bit, um, you know, with effect. But ultimately, this was a, I don't know if it was game plan or I don't know if, you know, mentality, but this was not Lautaro's uh, shining moment. Yeah, it was definitely not his, his best
1: um, I sensed a lot of frustration, you know, just from seeing some tweets with his game and seeing – I don't want to say he shies away from the big moments because he does show up big in, in some other ones, but it feels like when we see everything else falling apart and there's one person that we think we can turn to, we expect it to be Lautaro most of the time, and it, it doesn't seem to be that he steps up in those moments, unfortunately. Now I don't know if that's still you know he is a young striker you know I mean he, he this is what is he twenty four twenty five now I forget now but it's not like he is you know thirty years old he's been doing this for years he's still you know a relatively young striker and and finishing has never been his strong suit it's his ability to hold up play hold off his man you know use his lower body to to strengthen and keep people off the ball um, but man like uh, I. You know, one of my friends actually, and, you know, Nick, he actually, Nick Diani, he asked me if he should bet on Lautaro anytime, goal or assist. And I said, no, no way. I said, if, you know, I told him if it's going to come from anyone, it's going to come from Hakan, goal or assist. And I, I hope he didn't bet either one because obviously they both would have <laughs> failed. Um, but I was more confident in Hakan than I was with Lautaro. And you see it. I mean, it's just it's tough sometimes with him i i want him to become that super that you know my uncle always calls it a super like that the guy who could just sniff the goal like a like an inzaghi or a Vieri right. who could just get you know in the box and the ball just finds him and, he, and it ends up in the back of the net but it just it doesn't really seem like that's that's his game and that's okay i'm not saying it has to be but i, I always hope that he would become that that evolution of icardi maybe that you know who could do a lot more than just score
0: yeah, and it, it, you know the argument against Lautaro being a world-class striker that you see most often is the inconsistency and that that was in play today. Um unfortunately, um but we're not going to harp on it too much because there were some other really good performances. Let's touch on Darmian. Oh, I'm Unbelievable. So
1: I'm so glad you Man, he's my captain. In my opinion, he's the guy he was captain at Torino. He's the guy that should be wearing the armband here. He's a leader. He is. You need him to step up, he does it. You need him to push back and, and, and come up with a last-ditch effort on a tackle, he does it. You need him to clear the ball, he does it. You need him to take on the team's best player, he has no problem doing that, and he'll take him down. It's not the prettiest, it's not flashy, it's not anything that would make you go, oh my goodness, Like what an incredible defender, it might be the best in the world, no, no, but it is consistent week in and week out, and I cannot... The importance of Mateo Darmian too, like we were just talking about Onana and how important he is. Darmian is right up there too. The guy is a jack of all trades. You want him to play right back, right wing back, he could play it. You want to play right center back, he could play it. You want to play left wing back, he could play it. I bet you if you need, we needed a goal, we could probably throw him up top and he might be able to pop one in. And he does score some timely goals for us, whether it be you know low low. um, you know, low-footed, driven. Like, I mean, they just look like crosses on the ground, but they're so hard-driven that they curl around the goalkeeper. I remember some goals that he scored. You know, in his, with with Conte, that were were huge. He scored some big ones even this year. He scored a big one against Fiorentina. Darmian is, man, I love this guy, Matty Darm's. I mean, he's the reason I, my name is Johnny Darm's on on Twitter. Like, I, I just love this guy. You you can't. He is the embodiment of. Of that, like blue-collar, you know, hard worker, never complains, never gives, says boo about anything. I feel like he's just the embodiment of a interisti. Like you know, we 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 love the guys who bleed for the black and blue and, and will give it all for them. And and even if you don't, you know, have the best of games, which he, I mean, has he really had a bad game this year? I can't, I can't think of one. No, it's just he is the consummate professional, and I am so happy that he is on this club and and that we extended him. That's huge.
0: It's the same feeling that you get with Darmian when he's on the pitch that we do with Onana that we were just talking about, right? Like, it's just a safety um, that you feel, you know, when he's involved in play. And also, I think one part of his game that's so underrated is he's such a high IQ player. He knows when to dive into tackles. The yellow card that he picked up was... It was Barella's yellow card, but that foul needed to be made, right? What's behind Darmian at that point? Acerbi has to take on Galeno in space. It it was a, a recipe for going down one nothing, you know, in the midway point of the first half. And he had to make that foul, and to have the also the IQ and the smarts to be able to hold a yellow card until when did he get when did he get a uh, subbed out subbed
1: out around the 70th minute 71st minute something like that. 80th minute 80th Wait, he minute he was the 80th for screen one? yard
0: so oh, yeah, gets, you're right you're right he gets booked early in the first half and is able to knowing that you know he has these guys around him that are speed demons he made some impressive tackles today um that were picture perfect because they needed to be because in any other you know situation if he's off by an inch he's out of the game it was such an impressive performance. I'm so happy for him um, that he was able to show what he can do on a big stage like this. And on the flip side, you don't feel that with his partner on the right. Don't freeze. And we're not going to... Guys, I promise you, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But we're going to spend the next 15 to 20 minutes. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not It's not like we can't talk about what we're watching in the games. Don't Freeze from the very beginning mentally seemed like this was too much for him from holding on to the ball too long on throw ins, from not closing down his men I mean, how many times was he backing off his man? Which, you know, that's one way to defend, but you didn't see Darmian defending it in that manner. Um, to be honest,
1: were you hoping like I was that he would get a yellow on one of those throw ins so and he get hauled off. off? Right? Is that I was oh. hoping for that.
0: <laughs> Oh, my God. It didn't cross my mind only because of the the wingback uh, situation in terms of the personnel that we had available. But, it, you know, there was a, a bit of a it wasn't necessarily a breakaway, but he did have a nice one on one and again, just dribbles right into the defender. Um, not a great showing from Dumfries. Again, the, the reason why we keep bringing this up is A, because he keeps playing, number one, and B, his value... It's just getting cratered. I, I don't know what to say. Like we're everyone seems to be on the same page about um but selling if, but if you're him. An Arsenal fan listening to this, let me tell you, there's not a
1: better <laughs> player on this team. Denzel Dumfries is the right wing back of the future for you guys. He, he guarantees a repeat EPL title. So yeah,
0: you want Denzel Dumfries. Yes, you absolutely do. He's worth the forty, fifty million that he's rumored for. Plus um, Thanks. Yes, plus Tomiyasu, maybe Balogun, you can throw him in there as well. Throw them, yeah, throw them both in. It's okay. Um, all right, so as far as the first half goes, I think there's one other uh, important piece to touch on. Um, Porto's best opportunity came from, um, I think it was Eva Nielsen, where DiMarco made a brilliant tackle um, yeah. to close down, yeah. got down well. It was one of those when you're watching it it almost looked like it was deflecting and going over Onana who had already, you know, fallen to the ground and into the net, but um, that was a spectacular play by Di Marco and I think it's important to just mention it because he got up with this fire, you know, like was throwing his arms in the air, which is something that we didn't see from a bunch of players on the field. It's just another reason why, you know, Interisti love DiMarco, he's a, he's a true um, he's a true Interista, and uh, that was a brilliant tackle. And I just wanted to make sure that we touched on it.
1: Yeah, no, it was a fantastic tackle. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of the time DiMarco gets slack for his lack of defensive abilities, which are fair. It's he's not that's not his strong suit. Um, But he does have, you know, moments. I'm not going to say performances that are consistent like this, but he has brief moments where he can come up with a big tackle, a timely slide tackle, getting in the way of a cross or stuff like that. He has them um, in his game. And I think that if someone is able to come in, whether I mean, whether it is Inzaghi or another manager and really work on that aspect of his game, he could be a, a complete. Wing back, which you know, I was kind of hoping that Conte would have had that opportunity to work with him a little bit more because we saw what he was able to do with Hakimi, we saw what he was able to do with Perisic. I mean, imagine what he would be able to do with Dimarco in that sense. That would have been fantastic. But hey, you know what? I just want to continue to see his growth. We do know he is a backup player. He's not really supposed to be a starter week in and week out. We bought, we brought in. Robin goes in with that expectation, and unfortunately, his body is just betraying him week after week, or however often you want to consider it. Yeah, and it's a shame, but you know what? DiMarco has been that guy that stepped up continuously for us when called upon, and and yes, he may not put in you know fantastic performances, but. He's never really done anything either himself that's truly let us down or, or led to something catastrophic. And you know, I I I commend him for being able to step up in those moments, and especially playing for your club that you grew up loving and you right know, singing and supporting in the curva. You know, I, I mean, come on, that I'm sure that was your dream. That's my dream. I'm I'm, I'm in my thirties, and I, I would if they called me today, <laughs> I would I would die trying to run out oh there God. You know, play for them. So to, he's living literally our boyhood dreams, and to with that kind of pressure playing for the club you love i mean that's got to be even more so than maybe what some of those other guys are playing with so
0: yeah and it's you know remarkable to even think like this is someone who can lock down a spot on the left for the italian national team as well there, there's a hole there right so you know he if he keeps up these performances like johnny mentioned you know, I don't think anyone is, is calling him a world-class left back, but he doesn't need to be that. He needs to be what he is week in and week out, which is someone who doesn't let you down, um, is good for an amazing uh, cross at some point during the game, and he's just a solid player. Um, so, wanted to touch on that. The first half closes. We go into the second half after losing the possession battle in the first half you know, not having a lot of uh, opportunities and having some interesting performances from a few players. Second half starts and something that really, the sense that I was getting was we were playing with fire a little bit because it really did feel like we weren't playing the game as if it was nil-nil. We were playing it as if we had that one goal advantage, which that is a, a a difficult thing to ask your players to do for 90 minutes, is to bat down the hatch and you know your your goal is essentially just don't concede. Porto had their chances, right? What did you, what's your your takeaway from the approach from Inter tonight um, in terms of their defensive performance, which was in all fairness a classic Italian Champions League masterpiece. But it led to a lot of suffering for, for that 90 minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the result I'm obviously ecstatic with. However, I, I didn't love it. You know, the, one of the announcers said it was a Mourinho-esque performance. And I'll be honest, with even the Mourinho teams, I did I felt more confident. And maybe it was the individual players on the pitch. Maybe it was the overall results of the season. But I think because of the way the team has performed for most of the season, I was not confident. And, you know, I kept saying, like, here it comes. It's coming. It, the goal is coming. We're going to give it up like we always do. I feel like whenever we do we try to sit back and try to play this type of counter-attacking football where, you know, the, the goal is to bend but don't break. I feel like eventually we always do break. Somebody has, you know, a lapse in judgment, misplays a ball the ball bounces off five people and somehow ends in like, nobody. I don't think I, I wish there was a, some type of way to track this, to stat, but the amount of deflected goals that we've allowed is probably right. more than, well, definitely every team in Italy. And I would say maybe, I mean, obviously I don't watch every European league, but I would have to guess top five in all of all European <laughs> leagues. It's, it's ridiculous how unlucky we are in those instances. So I was expecting it. Um, Listen, hats off to the guys, of course, for, for overcoming the odds and, and being a little fortunate with a few bounces that hit off the post and, and didn't make their way in. Yeah. But sometimes you do need to be lucky. It's really not all about being good. You need to have a little bit of luck on your side in these moments. You know, It can happen really in, in, in any sport where the ball just bounces your way and, and everything just plays out the way you would want it to for your team. And, and I mean we've been on the opposite end ourselves many times so to see it play out well for us was was such a relief in itself and man i'm i'm just i'm just glad it's over and yeah. and we were able to to win the tie and and move on to the the last eight really
0: yeah and part of the reason why um it did become a quote-unquote Mourinho esque performance is because our our passing-wise, was really, really sloppy. Um, couldn't get anything together. They pressed us very, very heavily, which would, you know, in every sense of um, how you want to play against that, you want to be able to play on the counter. In order for that to be effective, you need to be able to combine very, very quickly. And our passing wasn't there tonight. Um, you know, Mikitarian lost some balls, Lautaro lost some balls. Another... Performance that we definitely need to touch on is Barella. Barella wasn't influential in the way that we've come to expect him to be in these games today. Um, and from the you know control and passing sense, um, he was off his game tonight. It was a very um, non-Barella-like performance, I guess I'll say.
1: Yeah, Barella was uh, was a disappointing performance for sure. I feel like I always try to defend him every chance I get. Like he He is my favorite player on the team. He's the guy that I was I wanted him since he was at Cagliari when we it was rumored between us and Roma for him, I did not want to lose him. You know, I, I remember that summer we got the, the Sensi deal across the finish line first and then we were still working on Lukaku and working on Barella and then the fact that we were able to get, you know, obviously all three, massive for us, but I did not want to lose Barella. Um, I thought that he was going to be the next big thing for the Italian midfield and and all that stuff. And I mean, he has uh, been brilliant for for large parts of the season. He's had you know he's got seven goals and six assists in all competitions. You know, from a midfielder that's that's very good. And his goals are, are unbelievable. They're not like little cheapy tapins or or you know stuff like yeah. No offense, but to 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 pulse goals at times. But some of his were a little little floofy and and same with uh with (laughs) Lampard but whatever um yeah I mean it was just a disappointing performance and I feel like he's I don't like to like make up excuses for him but I don't know if he's just mentally drained or if he's just physically drained I don't know I don't know if he's what it is but it just feels like even uh, uh,
0: his last couple of performances he hasn't been himself yeah I would agree with that and He's the first name on the team sheet in terms of the midfielders because we don't have someone that can realistically provide, you know, uh, minutes in that position, in that Metzala position. Um, you don't really want to be seeing Gagliardini, So, yeah, I would subscribe to the idea that Barella is, is a bit fatigued at the moment, um, you know, and then we go to the substitutions, which when we talk about how uneasy we felt in terms of it not being Mourinho-esque because you didn't feel, you know, we were as organized, that's what happened with the substitution. So let's talk about the initial ones. So Lukaku comes on for Dzeko, and then D'Ambrosio comes on for Di Marco. You would think it's going to be Darmian moving to the left, D'Ambrosio starting in at that right, slotting in at that right center back position, um, and then Dumfries staying at right wing back. Uh, D'Ambrósio put in a shift on the left-hand side um, tonight, which was very interesting, unexpected, and also in the mold of Darmian, just another servant of the club that comes onto the pitch. And D'Ambrósio did well tonight. I mean, you know, again, we didn't have many players that gave us much in terms of uh, controlling the ball or possessing the ball, or or offensively. But D'Ambrósio put in a nice shift in an unfamiliar position. In a huge game. D'Ambrosio has been
1: such a loyal servant to the club for years now. It feels like he seems to always step up, too, in, in clutch situations like that. He had a moment where he beats Pepe to the ball on that wing. Well, takes it off him and turns and holds him off. And he's about to go. It's about to be him and Lukaku two on one. And if Pepe doesn't take him down, I would have thought that that would have been the goal for, for Lukaku right there. Yep. I mean, yeah. I don't love him. I feel like he's not the most... Same thing with Darmian. He's he's like a Darmian light. That's kind of how I, yeah. I kind of can see it. But he, he always seems to do the little things that, that go unnoticed. He doesn't score. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he'll score a goal every now and then. But he doesn't end up on... on on the score sheet really and and he but he comes up with like a massive clearance a goal line saving you know tackle or something it's just he's he's another one man that like i I appreciate everything he does and he comes on and and look i mean you could play him out of position you could play him up the pitch a little he's not he's not the best he really isn't he doesn't deliver a good ball he doesn't really have pace or anything but he just doesn't make many mistakes if any yeah and i'm just happy yeah that you know what that he was able to come on do the the thing that was required to help you know secure the this this tie and yeah i mean what really yeah. what else can we say about him
0: yeah uh just a, again another high iq player doing the deed for inter and then uh, a moment that um probably a lot of uh, us had our hearts in our throats bastoni picks up an injury um, I'm very, very interested to see what comes of that. Um, and our, our boy, Stefan Devray, comes in with 30 minutes left in the game. Um, sorry, with uh, 15 minutes left in the game and um, has to put in a shift there, right? So Devray comes on. Bastoni gets kicked over to, um, sorry, Acerbi gets kicked over to the left of the three. Uh, Devray slots in. Um, And now we have a, you know, a defensive alignment that we haven't seen a lot this year in a very big uh, Champions League game. Um, And this is really where Porto started to put the pressure on right around the 74th minute. It felt like we had completely given up on trying to get a hold in the game. And now we were just like, okay, full out defense, like, let's go. Let's see. Let's see what you got. Um, Conse Sao threw on a couple strikers here. Um, and I guess this is a good opportunity to get your thoughts on how Conse Sao performed today, right? Obviously, his team didn't pick up the win. He is someone that, you know, has been linked potentially to making the move to Inter. Plays a very different kind of system. Um, how do you think he managed the game for his side today?
1: You know, it's probably going to be an unpopular opinion.
0: Because a lot of people are
1: Inzaghi supporters, and I'm not one of them. But when I was watching the mannerisms pre-match from Consensao and from Inzaghi, Consensao looked confident. He looked like he didn't have—he wasn't worried that he, you know, it almost looked like he believed in his guys wholeheartedly. Whereas Inzaghi looked nervy. He did, in my opinion. I, you know, he just looked like he always biting does. his nails. He looked like he was scared of the moment in my opinion. And maybe listen, maybe I'm nitpicking. I'm not trying to like nitpick on the guy or be, you know, too harsh on him. But I felt the aura coming off of Concisao, like that he was that they were gonna pull this off. And even later on in the game, the way he was barking orders at his players and trying to light a fire under them and then you know he has limited resources he doesn't have the deepest bench I mean one one of the players on the bench I and mean, he didn't come in the game but it's his own son you know um, yeah and if, he, if he's not seeing the bench then obviously he may not even think his own son is good enough or ready for this this these moments so you know a lot of guys were injured a lot of key players you know he Otavio was out with a red um so I mean, hats off to him and the and the the fight that they put on. They threw everything at us. They really did. They left it all on the field. You, if you're a Porto fan, leaving that stadium today, you could be disappointed with the result. No, no question about that. But you're not disappointed in the effort that your players had. And and even with the way he was fighting at the end and, and was still after the final whistle was yelling. He was. I wish I knew what he was saying and what he was mad about. I don't know if it was the yellows or the, the fact that Pepe got a second yellow. I don't know what it was. Yeah. But he was yep. pissed. And I loved that fire that he had and, and you never get that from Inzaghi. I'm sorry like I, I don't see that when things are going wrong. He is the the, the 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 model politician. He says what you you know what everyone wants to hear, you know and he says the most politically correct things, but he never criticizes anyone. he never throws anybody under the bus and sometimes you need to do that to just just wake somebody up or or yeah or or, you know demand a result or demand a change or demand respect from a ref whatever it is you know i I want that from my next manager and i hope it is sergio consensao that comes eventually because you know with the way his playing career ended at inter uh, it almost is like he has some unfinished business with the club and i think that what better way to do it than to come and be the guy that gets us that second star i yeah
0: yeah, I don't think you know he lost the game today because he got outmanaged. Um, <clears throat> I think he did everything he could with you know the players that he had at his disposal, um, and I would like to see him in, in Serie A at some point, whether it be with Inter or you know another club. I, I just um, or I'm interested Hill, since he in
1: used to play there too, maybe. Right,
0: you know? right. I'm interested in this manager, and you know we'll see uh, where he's able to go in the future. Um, but moving on uh, to the last ten minutes of the game it's our last changes screenyard comes in so we do get an appearance from the man who didn't train for 15 days um, the guy only who was had t- faking it you mean <laughs> the guy who was faking it I think you know on is party is <laughs> spreading the conspiracy theories that screenyar was um was milking it a little bit but he's here and he came on to take his right center back his usual right center back position listen there's not much to say about um his game today he wasn't particularly involved I think one thing that is important to note is that if he is getting back fit um this is a player that we're going to need for the rest of the season uh if you think about how unhappy we've been with Dumfries's performances if Milan can get can get fit again then we can go back to our death star lineup of having darmian on the right wing and having senior back at the right center back position so it was great to see him come in and get some game time um, with him coming onto the field is also brozovic so we do get a few minutes of brozovic today i thought we were going to see him way earlier um he took the place of barela who you know anytime he has a game like this comes off looking not so enthused um, but I do want to ask what, what you thought of Brozo's, uh, I guess, cameo today, right? He didn't have a ton of time on the field. He did play with the ball a little bit in some dicey situations. Um, and he did uh, he did give possession away a little bit. I thought it would shore, shore us up and make us feel a little bit more um, comfortable, but um, it didn't feel that way. What did you think of, of Brozo coming on? And what did you think of how Inzaghi deployed him today?
1: Yeah, with Brozovic's uh, cameo appearance, it just wasn't very reassuring. Um, makes me wonder if he's even really in it anymore himself, especially with the rumors flying around with him. Does he want out? I mean, do, we don't know, and obviously we won't know until the summertime comes. And I don't again want to start speculating because it just makes gives me a headache. But he, like you said, he did dribble himself into some dicey situations and and was turning back like. From the age of like 5 or 6 you're told don't dribble back into the middle to yeah. never do that and what what is he does it not just once but twice where he puts himself in a situation where a player can come in swoop in take the ball off his feet and start the counterattack right away that was a little worrying i don't know what's going on with him but i i as much as i want to see mikatari back on the bench and brozovic starting but yeah. you need to do better in these moments where you're given the opportunity to to kind of take your position back or even you know maybe force Inzagi's hand to a, you know reverting or changing to a double pivot so that you and hakan can both play as the registas i i don't know um but i expect better from him especially with him being probably the longest you know tenured player at the club currently maybe yeah. second behind Handanovic, Handanovic, which i, think, I mean yeah. i think we all want him gone anyway but it's yeah. just it's a little it's a little frustrating to see that especially from a player of his caliber And knowing the abilities that he has to kind of, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's like Pirlo, but he has that metronoming effect in the sense that he can calm the situation when you think that things are getting out of control. And he just hasn't been able to do that himself lately. And it's a little worrying. I don't know. I mean, you know, in the the summer, I was a big advocate of selling Brozovic and people thought I was crazy and that. How do you replace him? What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. He's got a lot of miles on those legs. You know, I mean, when when running backs hit 30 years, I know it's a different sport, but when running backs (laughs) hit 30 years old, people are already thinking of cutting them and who to move on to somebody younger. Right. In soccer, you're running a lot more. Yes, you're not having the impact or the hits on those knees and stuff like that. But the guy is always, always the top runner in every game. He puts on, you know, the longest shifts. The guy will run, you know, <laughs> countless kilometers. I wish I would, you know, knew how to convert it into miles off the top of my head, but I can't. But <laughs> it's insane what this guy does, and he's been doing it since he was 18 years old. And he's what 30, yeah. 31 now, gonna be 31. Um, it's just I don't like to say people are done at 30, but maybe it's his time. One thing that I always think has been a problem with Inter Milan. Is we get too emotionally attached to certain players and that we don't want to see them go because they've been so good for us. When that happens, though, we normally tank that player's value and then we never get anything out of it in the end. You know, after the treble team, sure, did I want to dismantle the whole team? Absolutely not. But did I want some refreshments and 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 bringing in some new faces and replacing maybe some guys? I think it would have been good. You know, I I I love Wesley Schneider was my favorite player. I wouldn't have been against selling him to Man U who wanted him so badly after that 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 trouble run. Trouble run and, yeah. And then we were rumored to be interested in Mesut Ozil. Imagine if you went from Buzzy Schneider who was 20, I believe 27, 28 at that time and then going to a 21-year-old Mesut Ozil right at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. What a what a I feel like they're very slimmer, although Schneider's better, you know, on set pieces. I mean, well, free kicks, I should say. That yeah. would have been a great transition. And there was other players, but we don't have to get into that. But it's like I don't want to hang on to Brozovic just because we think that, you know, when we lost well, Lucio, did we ever think another guy would ever come in and, and be able to step up? No, we didn't. But then screenyard comes along, and you have a player like that, and now we're all right. worried like, oh, we'll never find a center back. Well, we, we might be able song, to get yeah. Shores from, from Torino. And if we were to let go of Brozovic, I'm sure – where we'll be able to find a midfielder. Maybe not immediately, but we will be able to find someone who can come in and be another Brozovic or maybe even better. So it's like let's not just be too hung on with these players and, and maybe obviously for a club that's so in such a dire situation financially that we should be more willing to listen to offers for certain players once they reach a certain age and yeah. then you know refresh the squad and keep it fresh. I feel like once it just get, it'll just get stale.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the squad refreshment um, aspect of what you were saying. Like, um, you know, I'm sure it was tough for Manchester United to move on from Vidic, but <clears throat> they probably should have done it earlier. Right. Like club captain or legend. And, you know, eventually players do decline. Um, you do have to take into account their age and again, the miles on the legs. And I think the problem with Brozo is that this has been the toughest season of his career Um easily uh from a you know playing time standpoint and i think what's happening with him is that he's not getting the consistent minutes that he needs to get back in form um so instead we just get these cameos that have been wholly unimpressive to this point uh but regardless you know we move we move on so um the rest of the 10 minutes you know was there were some porto chances but the game really picks up in extra time so that number seven flashes on the screen and my heart is pounding because it feels like is if this is going to turn on us, it's going to turn on us at the very last second. Um, I wrote down that we have to call this this podcast the post game for the post game. There were <laughs> some tight, tight moments there. Um, I think uh, Taremi hit the post, Gru- Grujic hit the post um Dumfries had a goal line clearance Onana you know saved a ball that bounced off of the post um at the very end of this game we uh you know we had that classic Pazza Inter moment um where uh you know it looked like we were going to concede
1: and can we just have a moment of silence for the Interisti? who died of heart attacks watching that last seven minutes. Let's just give a brief moment of silence. Yeah, Say a prayer to those guys. Um, Mm. But my goodness, yeah, that was such a nervy time. Um, Those last seven minutes, it was so painful to watch. I kept expecting every ball that came in, every low cross that was driven in, that went off an Interisti or somehow landed on the foot of a Porto player. It it just felt like it was going to find the back of the net at some point. It was so difficult. and it felt like that timer was not clicking that or go, whatever, go <laughs> yeah. picking up however you want it whatever. The yeah. last seven minutes was just the longest seven minutes of my life. And I think it was around the five minute and 30 second mark. <laughs> it was the final, It was the first time we were able to get it down on their end of the field. And I was like, my goodness, like I could breathe for a little bit. But man, I mean, yes, again, like you said, hats off to Onana, hats off to Dumfries reluctantly on my part um, for, I mean, just huge saves coming through clutch for this team when it needed it most. And listen, at the end of the day, we got the result that we needed. We got the, the we got to go into the last eight, you know, and then I'm hoping at some point we could actually, or we could talk about the. I mean, it looks like we pretty much have the last eight figured out, really. Like, I I don't foresee Napoli or Real Madrid, you know, losing their their ties tomorrow. Yeah. Um. I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about this game before I asked this question? Or,
0: um, no, I think, uh, you know, the last thing that I guess I would I would mention is um, this win. Although the performance itself wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing thing that you'll ever see. And it's hard to watch a game where you're under pressure for 90 minutes. Um, I do have to say I am proud of uh, the character that this team showed. Um, Teams that win games like this, they are high character teams, you know, to be able to suffer for 90 minutes um, and come out with the objective. I mean, that's, that's a high character team. Um, I think it's going to be a win that gives the guys a lot of confidence. Um, I think it's going to be a win that, you know, the other, the other side of this is that you can't really kill anybody today. And we've been doing a lot of that, right? So it's sort of a, you know, a bit of a breather in terms of some players that really needed um, the players and the manager that really needed uh, people to get off their back a little bit. Um, So, you know last thoughts i guess on on the performance i'm um, I'm happy that we showed this sort of defensive solidity um and uh good win not good win, good draw for a win.
1: <laughs> well, you already said you're counting this as a win, so yeah uh, we'll uh, we'll put it in the, I feel the w, like it the w column for this one um but when I look at the potential well really the the last eight teams. Obviously, we can't count ourselves because we can't play ourselves. But when you look at Napoli, Real Madrid, Man City, Bayern, Benfica, Chelsea, and Milan, really only three out of those seven teams do I look at. I'm like, I don't want to play them in the next round. I don't Can I guess Real those Ma- three? Go, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. So I kind of
0: said one, but go ahead. Real. Yep. Bayern. Yep. And City. Yeah.
1: Yeah. After seeing yeah. what <laughs> they did today, what yeah. Erling Holland did today against a defender I love in, in Jasko Guardiola. Guardia. I mean, I think any team that was looking to buy him, right? Not that I listen, I'm not blaming him solely, it's not all on him. But if you're a Man U or you're an Arsenal, or I forgot who else he was rumored, obviously, Inter was rumored in the summer Madrid. when. Midori. when there was rumors about Bastoni leaving and then we would replace him with Gabardiol. Yeah. I mean, you got to be happy that that happened because that probably just took a few a few M's off that price tag for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, those I mean, I, I can you imagine
0: a having to man-mark Holland? I was like, literally I was thinking just that. that. I said like, that to my dad after he called me and I said, "We're going to get city." And Holland is going to that you know that the interisti you know we have to think of the absolute worst the scenario. The absolute worst scenario, yeah. And Holland versus Acherby is a, a not a matchup that I'm interested in seeing. I would, and I wouldn't want to see Busto because he
1: likes to drift. I mean, he'll drift to either side, but I noticed in this game he was drifting a lot out to the right. Well, his right, and it would be our left, which would be Bastoni. And he would just bully Bastoni. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Yeah. It, it, and, they, and I'm sure you know Guardiola being the, the overthinker that he is. I mean, I, obviously, he's a master technician um, as a manager. But he does overthink things a lot. He would do everything in his power to keep Holland away from Skriniar ER if we did match up with them. So I yeah. think they're my number one team I don't want to play. I would feel better about, about Real Madrid if I had to get one of those three. But, yep. but Bayern and how we match we just yeah. we just don't yeah, we just don't match up with Bayern in my opinion. And yeah. if I had to pick, obviously I would want Milan number one. Um Napoli just because of entertainment reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um and then Chelsea because I feel like Graham Potter doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't know how to get the best out of his team right now with all those hundreds of millions of dollars spent that can you imagine if we could even spend a third of what they spent. Yeah. I mean but I feel like we would match up best against against those guys.
0: Yeah. My my top is absolutely Napoli. I want I want Napoli in the next round. Um I really hope this doesn't come to bite me in the ass, but um you know it, it looks like they're running away with Scudetto. I would love to put um these champions league dark horse aspirations in a coffin um so you want to
1: hurt nema's other favorite team that's what you exactly
0: yeah that's the main goal here is to uh is to have nema cry um <laughs> over getting, getting dumped out of the champions league um but also just from a mentality standpoint like it would just be such a huge win for us like you know it, it's tough to catch them right now. So if we can do, just have any, just sort of- a,
1: do you think it's a win? Like if we, let's say we do get him, let's say we do beat them, but yeah. we don't win the champions league. Do you think that's a win if they, cause they're running away with the
0: title. Like there's no question about it,
1: but like from a bragging
0: rights perspective, if you look at the, the conversation on Twitter from these Napoli fans, like I do want another, if we, you know, we, we play them again in the league um, and we beat them, you know, at the Sao Paulo, you know, we still lose the league, right? We can have bragging rights in that respect. But to take away this Champions League dream from them, um, that's bragging rights on another level. So that's a team that I would want. Okay. I, lo- yeah. I I, also want Chelsea and Milan. Those are my top my top three. Maybe more so Chelsea than Milan at this point. But then again... That's true. <sighs> Magnan is back. I
1: don't like playing against Manjan. He
0: He's such a good goalie. He's the best goalie in the world. Yeah, and that yeah. would also be the most heartbreaking if we lost One. to milan and they if went if we to the weren't side, able oh my yeah. god
1: can you imagine yeah that would oh, be that would that would be tough I, that, would, that, that honestly would bother me more than if we if we did lose to napoli yeah cuz napoli it, it's expected let's be honest like we, yes we may want to and we do i do think we match up well against them i don't i don't think yeah. it's like as cut and dry as as you know napoli fans would think um but the bragging rights see like that and that's where it comes back to with me like it's I don't have a problem. with Like, Napoli fans think I have a problem with them or they think I have a problem with the club or something. It isn't. It's just them. It's just the way they act on Twitter. Like And, and I'm sure, listen, I've been to Napoli. The people aren't like that. You know, when, I, when I've, when they asked, you know, they saw my, I have a tattoo on my leg. I have the intercrest on my leg. And they just said, Oh, in East, that like you know, and they and they yeah. kinda joked about it, but they didn't make a huge big stink about anything or start talking trash right away. You know, it was just like a little playful banter, which I have with almost every other fan base on Twitter. But yeah, yeah Napoli <coughs> fans are just I don't know, they're on a different they're on a different wavelength and, and I wish I could live in that bliss, but you aren't our rivals yet. <laughs> Milan could hold it over our head and it would bother
0: me. You guys could win and it'd be like, Okay, like whatever. Yeah they're feeling themselves right now so it would way be nice too much, to take that too much. It's, i know, think all three of those ties are really winnable um agreed yeah and i think that those would favor us the most I, I think
1: and I, I wouldn't want benfica i mean i'll say benfica would be uh maybe but i feel
0: like joao mario would score like two against us
1: you know or something to just knock us benfica's
0: out benfica's is you know running away with their league too so you know Porto's fallen behind them um a good margin so you know Benfica's having a great year um yeah and you know it, it just from the bragging rights perspective but also the making a statement perspective um <clears throat> it's clearly Napoli Chelsea or Milan for for the next round and listen if we are able to avoid Bayern City Madrid I think you that's know we had itself, this really Yeah, win. we had this conversation on Twitter um, regarding what can Simone do to save his job this year. Um, and semifinals sounds a lot better than quarterfinals. A lot better. If but I don't you think are that's able a job to job saving They might the the management might think that that's job saving for just you know how happy they would be to have that extra like 20 or 30 million that you get i think it's i think it's
1: i think it's 13 million i don't think it's as much as we think
0: 13 million
1: i'm pretty sure when i because i thought it was like 20 million too but i remember looking it up last year yeah last year because simone was the manager yeah and had we gotten to so had we gotten to the quarterfinals that would have been an extra 11 million and if i'm not mistaken it was like 13 or 14 million if we got to the semifinals. and that's not just like ticket revenue that's just like from
0: that we would get from uh, that Uepo. pays for pays for the dumfries mistake right there but it
1: doesn't pay for <laughs> gino infantino which is what i need this summer
0: um yeah, but uh, anyway, the expectation I think, if you are able to draw Napoli, Chelsea, or Milan, should be semifinal. I don't think that that's. I don't think it's crazy to say that an expectation should be that you should go through. You've beaten well, che- Chelsea, you've beaten Napoli us. this year. You've beaten Milan this year. You've shown you can you can beat those teams, and Chelsea is in a, a not a great period right now. Well, and Chelsea, they also Chelsea talk a lot, dogs. Of, a lot of shit.
1: Yeah. They think we're They talk dogs, a lot of shit. So, okay. All
0: right. You want a dog?
1: We'll we'll, we'll bring some dogs. Yeah. But don't I, I don't, think be, like, don't of... be like Porto and trying to keep our fans, and like Barcelona, trying to keep our fans out of the stadium. Because we will be – Chelsea – I'm sorry, but like EPL fans, that's all that, – that, what NBC Sports does, that's fake noise. It is not that loud in those states. You don't get the atmosphere that you get at the San Cito. So yeah. uh, if we get at 1,500, 3,000, however many it's going to be – I guarantee you we're going to be the loudest fans in that pitch and they'll do they will not know what to do with us. So all right, you want dogs Chelsea? We'll bring some dogs.
0: Yeah, and we also have, you know, Champions League history against Chelsea. <laughs> you know, like cake. that's cake. That is a um a tie that historically, you know, we can look back on with fond memories. So I I need it, Lukaku to score. At the
1: Stanford Bridge and kissed. I the wanna badge. see what that r- goal and reaction is. The badge in front oh my goodness,
0: please. Give me that. Inject it into my veins. Just like I'm not even kidding. Just put it in. But there. do you see how important this this draw was today? <laughs> like just to oh, get dude, it was, just to have nasty. the vision of these things happening. It's huge.
1: It's huge. I need, I need Chelsea fan tears and I can't wait. Twitter spaces with Chelsea fans? Oh, that'll be hilarious. It'll be oh, just, just give it please. Please, please give it to us. Yeah, it's. um,
0: We've given our. We've put ourselves in a position to do some some really good things. And like Marco Matarazzi said uh, before the game, get to the quarterfinals. Anything is possible. This is knockout football in Europe. You know, we've seen. We've seen some crazy things happen um, in the past, including on Inter's run. So. You can't discount anything. Um, you don't know what's going to happen in the other draws. If some teams, you know, that were expected to go through don't go through, and then all of a sudden things are up in the air. Um, this competition is so is so, you know, in terms of our history, it just feels so big. Um, and I'm so happy that we're we're into the last eight. And I'm so happy also. You know, controversial, maybe not controversial. I'm so happy three of the eight teams are Italian. So, so happy. Good for the league um, after, you know, taking all the shit that we take from uh, Prem heads. Um, It's awesome to see us being, you know, dominating. I don't think any other. So there's one German team, one Portuguese team, two English teams. One Spanish, Spanish team
1: and, and three Italian.
0: Yeah, so we're we're the dominant league in the Champions League. That's a, that's awesome. Yep. Big time. <laughs> all right. Do you have anything else that you want to touch on from? Yes. A, well,
1: all right. Go yeah.
0: Ahead. Go ahead. From a, I was going to say an awesome night at the uh, Estadio Dragao. So yeah,
1: no, I, I mean it's nothing to do with that, but we do have. I mean, we're going to be recording Thursday. Oh, shit. A fun episode. Very fun. Uh, we're going to have two members of the all Juve cast coming on, doing a pre-match, whatever you want. to. I mean, who knows where it's going to go, to be honest. But it's going to be with uh, Daniel Lucci and Anthony Skagna, the knee guy on Twitter. Um, I mean, listen, they're two great guys. I, I banter with them regularly, and it's not, it, I mean, it's never been like anything out of the ordinary so like or anything that would you know make uh make group chats more interesting so it'll be fun to talk about the matchup with them and, and get their perspective those are the two guys actually that disagree a lot <laughs> with when it comes to Juve. so it'll definitely be interesting to hear their points of views because they have you know two different uh ideas on where this club is going and where it should be going and stuff so it'll be good to preview with them kind of get a little more insight on their on the Juve club because i i I do try to avoid watching them because it's so boring to me, but yeah, can't wait to have them on and, and we'll have that episode out on Friday so that you guys can listen to that on commutes or whatever and uh,
0: get a little download before uh, before the, ma- the big match on the weekend. Yeah, we've done our post games. We've done our special episodes. Um, this is our first pregame and <clears throat> no other fixture deserves it more than the Derby d'Italia, inter juventus amen at the san Mm. siro
1: i just got chills chills. (laughs) i legit just got chills chills. oh Oh, man
0: that's gonna be awesome and excited to jump on with those guys and that's something that you know we've wanted to bring to you guys is uh, a lot more guest appearances which you know will happen throughout the season so things are picking up steam we are uh we are in march it's march madness as they say and what better way to kick off the madness than with The quarterfinals of the Champions League and hopefully a win over Juventus in the Derby d'Italia. Thank you for joining us. What an awesome day. Um, I hope everyone is feeling a lot better. Um after what we've seen recently, we're definitely feeling a lot better. This is a, a fun episode to record. Uh and as always, in the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi.